You're listening to the D-Win Legacy Podcast, brought to you by D-Souls Productions, LLC. When someone can convince you that you are your own worst enemy, it makes it a whole lot easier for them to be able to defeat you. And welcome back to another episode of the D-Win Legacy Podcast. In today's episode, we have a special treat for you. I know a lot of people know of Dr. Umar Johnson. In today's topic, and I'm calling this one Dr. Umar Johnson versus Black Crabs. All my life, I've always been a man who was open and neutral to the opinions of people here on the Internet. We must first understand that this is the Internet. But it sometimes frustrates me, especially when it comes to black people here in the United States. How we will not put any energy into coming together as a collective to build for ourselves. But we are so quick to jump on individual opportunity. Now, I know some of us know of Dr. Umar Johnson, a well-known clinical and certified psychologist. Over the past four years, he has made attempts to purchase a school that he wants to work towards betterment of education of our young black boys. And I have been following Dr. Umar for some time now myself. I have sat back and watched the back and forth debates and beefs he has encountered here on the Internet. I really never gave it any value or still not interested in watching or listening to our black people go at each other's throats, especially, like I said, here on the Internet. And I know that pretty much comes with the territory. We just can't seem to help ourselves as black people in the act of self-destruction. I mean, if we try to have a conversation or build a dialogue in regards to the development of our black people. Oh, no, we don't want to have that discussion. But when it comes to the latest gossip and bullshit, we are all over that shit, right? Now, I will be the first to tell you that I have not donated any money to Dr. Umar Johnson's cause, and I'm not here to defend him. He is a grown ass man, and I I understand that he can do that for himself. But I will say that I'm not quick to jump on anyone's bandwagon in regards to being with or against anyone. I have a mindset that no matter what anyone's thoughts on opinions about any particular person or topic, I believe time always reveals the truth. Okay, let's get into it. Dr. Umar has announced that he has purchased a school here in Wilmington, Delaware. And I'm a resident and have been living here in Wilmington, Delaware my entire life. 
And if Dr. Umar is in the process of making this happen, I'm very happy and excited for him and this opportunity. Now, Dr. Umar has a huge following and he is an international Pan-African speaker. There are a lot of people, especially on YouTube, who have called him a scam artist and he is hustling people out of over $700,000 that has been donated towards the purchase of this school. That is yet to be seen. And, and as, I'm, as I mentioned, I don't feed into a bunch of hearsay, especially when it looks to be under the intention of getting YouTube clicks. Dr. Umar held a meeting here in Wilmington, Delaware on February 28th, 2019, so he could get more acquainted with the people who also live here in Wilmington, Delaware. I attended the meeting and I feel the meeting went well. Dr. Umar did not go any more deeper into detail where he was in a process of the purchase of the school, and I guess he has his reasons. I'm not here to be judgmental of another man or more or less worry about what's in another man's pockets. No matter what's going on, time is the solution. During the meeting, there was a Q&A session where if anyone had any concerns, they had an opportunity to talk with Dr. Umar Johnson face to face. Now, I recorded some segments of the meeting, and it's a little rough, and it's not the greatest sound quality, but it will give you some insight of what happened in this meeting here in Wilmington, Delaware. I was talking to one of my fellow podcasters, Kelly Dees, from Embrace the Black Podcast, and I told Kelly that I'm usually very vocal at community meetings here in Wilmington, Delaware. But for some reason, this meeting, the universe told me to sit back and do more listening. I also worked the room a little and spoke with a gentleman named Matthew, who had already started doing cleanup around the school grounds of trash and debris. So I volunteered my services to come out and help. And I also recorded some of that also for this episode. So without any more further ado, let's listen in, and I will come back and chime in. Enjoy.
and a half years ago, we started a fundraiser. We started the fundraiser because I got a phone call from a friend of mine in Virginia who had learned of a HBCU that was for sale, St. Paul's College. He called me up and he said, uh, we got a school for sale down here. We had already been talking about it. I have been traveling to Virginia about three, four times a year hosting something that we'll be hosting in Delaware and the other six states within the African Mid-Atlantic movement. But we were hosting something known as Meeting of the Mind, where we basically bring brothers and sisters together, kind of like what we're doing tonight, and we would talk about major issues in our community, education, economics, politics, relationships, unity, so forth and so on. So we were looking for a school in Virginia anyway. And then he called me and said, St. Paul's for college. I never heard of St. Paul. But I started looking it up and found out that the founder, Father Russell, was a good friend of Booker T. Washington, one of my heroes. And I said, this would be a good place. Excuse me, I'm dealing with the flu a little bit. But I called the auction company, which was Motley's. This was back in spring of 14. I still remember it vividly. And the white folks at Motley's invited me to come on down and take a look at the school. They told me if I could get a quarter of a million dollars in about a week, they would be able to work out some sort of an arrangement with me. That wasn't possible. But I took my first public donation for the school at a lecture I did in St. Louis, Missouri. And I was a little uneasy about that because I had never collected money from the public before as a donation. But I had to get used to it if I was going to build the school. So we started collecting money, and then all of a sudden, Motley started wavering in what they said about the property and what they were willing to do. And I kind of got the idea that someone had gotten to them and made it clear that they didn't want Dr. Umar Johnson to get to school. So we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We didn't get the money. And then Chinese people bought. So now we have Chinese people owning a historically black college, which in my opinion, is an insult and embarrassment to all African people. Especially when you understand that the brother who built that school, I believe he was born in slavery or maybe the first generation out of it, but being a good friend of Booker T, Dr. George Washington Carter had went to St. Paul's and did some work, so forth and so on. So once St. Paul's was removed from the equation, which was probably 2016, 2017, we started looking at other schools. And for a long time, I really thought the school was going to end up in Chicago. And I thought the school was going to end up in Detroit. Particularly Detroit because they had so many available. And the archdiocese had so many available in Detroit. Chicago had a lot of them available, but they were tied up politically. The schools that were in better condition, they wouldn't give me access to them. And even in Detroit, the schools that were in better condition, they wouldn't give me access to them. So there was a school in Atlanta, Georgia, black owned by a black church. And I had almost settled on that school. It wasn't quite what we had wanted, but it was in Atlanta, which is a very, very big Dr. Umar support city. And I knew it would flourish. And it had a lot of land around it, so we could have built another school not too far away from it. And then some things began to occur in my personal life that would not allow me to relocate down to Atlanta, Georgia. So I said, wow. I'm going to have to stay kind of close. Um, and so I started looking in Jersey, and it was a school in Trenton that we could have got until the Archdiocese found out I was who I was, and they pulled out. 
Then there was one up in Mount Vernon, New York, until the Archdiocese found out it was me and they pulled out. Then there was one in Philadelphia, and Ohio, and South Florida, and we went all over the place. So then finally, August the 21st of 2017 comes, and for those of you who know me, you know I'm very big on that term because I'm born on the anniversary of the revolution, August the 21st. But of course that was 1831. And so on August the 21st of 2017, we had the total solar eclipse. You all remember that? It was the first full total solar eclipse that was visible across the continent of the United States since the colonial era of America. So we went down to Nat Turner land and celebrated the total eclipse and did the Nat Turner tour. And I go every year to Nat Turner land, something I've been doing since 2011. And so I'm driving back from Nat Turner land and I'm getting ready to go to Cuba for the first time because my paternal grandfather was Cuban. And I had to get my initiation down there, one of my several initiations in Cuba. And so after Nat Turner, but before I leave for Cuba that Sunday, August the 26th, I want to say, I'm going through LoopNet. And I go through LoopNet probably about once a week ever since we've been doing this school fundraiser for the past five years. And the school pops up in Wilmington, Delaware. And it's listed for about $1.2 million. So I said, wow, we can't afford that. But I still want to go take a look at the school. Now, several years ago, someone from Wilmington had told me about a school that charter school had lost its charter, so forth and so on. But nothing happened at that time. I didn't get into the school, didn't get to see the school, didn't talk to nobody, so that was a good deal. But scrolling through LoopNet the week of August 21st, I saw the school, I said, I might as well go look at it. it ain't too far from Philly. So I went down there and I, and I, and I went through it, the Moyer Academy, and I said, it would be a bad place right here. But the price was too high. And so for 18 months, from August the 21st, or that week, rather, of 2017, until February the 7th, I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We got a little more money, we got a little more money, we got a little more money. Sell it to me, sell it to me, sell it to me. Let me put some down. Da, 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 da. So time came, time went, and then finally, through the grace of God, three weeks ago today, Thursday, February 7th, we closed on school. And we closed on it. And we closed on it outright. With no money over, which, for those of you who follow my work, with that being said, the reason I wanted to hold this meeting tonight is because in African culture, our tradition is when you move into a new village, it's appropriate that you meet with the village to let them know who you are and what you plan to do. That's right. So I came up with the idea. I said, I know everybody, most people know who Dr. Umar is, but I'm not sure if they know what Dr. Umar is about. So let me come and introduce myself and let the community know that I'm here, that I'll likely be moving here or very close to it, okay, and that we're going to be restoring the building and opening up an independent school for black boys. This idea came to me because being a school psychologist, and those of you who follow my work, you know this, I do it every day, trying to help parents keep their sons yeah. out of that school to prison pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. A school to prison pipeline that got six stages, dangerous stages. 
The first stage is miseducation. And that school to prison pipeline operates in all three counties in Delaware. That first stage is deliberate miseducation. They take our black boys from preschool to approximately second or third grade, and they deliberately miseducate. And I need you guys to understand that this is on purpose. It is not an accident. So often, black people think that the miseducation of black boys is an after effect of some other cause. That's not true. It has nothing to do with the single mother. It has nothing to do with the father in jail. It has nothing to do with listening to too much hip hop. It has nothing to do with basketball or pansexual. The black boy is intentionally miseducated in Delaware because to properly educate him is to run the risk of undermining the white privilege that every white boy in Delaware has. So the black boy must be disadvantaged on purpose to make sure the white boy is advantaged. There can be no white privilege without a black disadvantage. That's right. Okay. So, teacher unions in Delaware and across America will teach you that. If we paid the teachers more money, they could do a better job educating. Well, I got a big problem with that. Because if you have to be paid more money to teach a child, they're telling me you're withholding your talent. Because you're not being so that's stage one. It's on purpose. You have to make sure the black boy fails. Because if he doesn't, you begin to undermine the racial hierarchy upon which America was founded. And you all should know that because this is the first state to sign the Constitution and one of the last to formally enslave. But then we go to stage two. And stage two is special education. This is when they call you up and say we need to have a conversation about Ray Ray. Because Ray Ray is in the fourth grade, but he's reading on the second grade level. Now, if you would have spoke to Dr. Umar before you had that conversation, I would have told you, don't let them evaluate Ray Ray. And you would have said, but Dr. Umar, my son is two grades behind level, why not? And I would have said, if you check the school reading level index, most of the boys in his class are two grade levels behind. So shouldn't the intervention be at the teacher level? Shouldn't the intervention be at the classroom level? Why is the intervention at the student level? The reason the intervention is at the student level is because the state of Delaware gets our welfare checks for misdiagnosing black kids. Special education is a business. Special education is a racket. Special education is a hustle. That rarely helps anybody except the bank account of the principal. See, whenever I qualify your child for a learning disability, autism, emotional disturbance, intellectual disability, speech and language impairment, <laughs> deafness, blindness, traumatic brain injury, orthopedic impairment, developmental delay, or other health impairment for such ridiculous disorders as ADHD. Yeah. Ain't no daddy at home disorder, ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I put your child name in a computer, it goes to the state, capital of Delaware. And by the end of the month, there's a welfare check to the school. So in essence, special ed is a conflict of interest, brothers and sisters. Because what it says is, you should try to help this kid right in a regular class. But we will pay you if you don't. If you put him in special ed, there's some money. But if you admit that the only reason why Ray Ray is two grades behind is because last year's teacher didn't teach him right, then it becomes the responsibility of the school to get him to where he needs to be. That's if you care. See, principals who care will say, listen, we're not going to hustle our black boys. We're going to teach him. We know why he can't read. Last year, teacher could barely read herself. We know why he can't read. He's been suspended too many times to learn how. We know why he can't read, because his teacher was a first-year teacher with no type of support or instructional experience. 
See, the number one learning disability in Wilmington is not the reading disability. This is the lazy as hell disability. <laughs> and right next to the lazy as hell disability, it's the ain't been taught, not SLD, but ABT. Most of our kids never been taught in the first place. And then once you leave special ed, you go to stage three, psychiatric medication. It is an absolute holocaust. That's why I call my book Psychoacademic Holocaust. I didn't bring no copies tonight. I have them next time. This wasn't about that. This was about the information. But the reason I call my book Psychoacademic Holocaust is because it's a holocaust. Every other black boy in Wilmington on rhythm, Adderall, concerted, meditate, cycling. I bet I can walk into any one of your schools. Half the boys in any class is on psychiatric medicine. Since when do you need medication to get an education? He can't sit still. He talks too much. He's a class clown. He blurts out answers. Last time I checked, that is a regular, normal black boy. Okay. <laughs> the problem is that schools are run by women. And when the school is ran by female energy, and I'm not demonizing the systems at all, but when schools are run by women, the masculine child are always appearing to be maladjusted. And rather than give him a black male teacher, which will end half this nonsense, you just want to medicate him so the white female teacher can have a good time. Oh, wow. If it was up to me, and I do not believe all white folks got it out for black people, I'm not into that. But I do understand white supremacy, and I do understand racism. And I do understand it is a conflict of interest for a white woman to be responsible for the education of the very same child that the entire country's history has been based on marginalizing and destroying. If you're not a natural stakeholder in the success of a child, you should not be teaching them. Most white kids will never be taught by a black teacher. But in contraindication, most black kids will be taught by a white woman. And that's our fault. Because we don't believe in building anything for ourselves that the white man gives for free. And that includes schools. See, there's nothing that stops black America from opening its own schools. There's no law that says you can't open your own schools. So you can count on your hands maybe two dozen maximum independent schools in black America. And why is that? Because black folks got better things to do with their money. Or should I say worse things? I mean, in 2018, you spent $2 billion on Air Jordan. Four billion on liquor. Black women about sixteen billion on hair care. One billion on McDonald's. Black people bought twice the amount of Mercedes Benzes as white folk, but you have less than one third of white folks wealth. What is it about Mercedes that got you so addicted? Is it your African DNA to come with a drum or something? <laughs> <laughs> It's a status symbol. Because slavery stole our self-worth. And slavery stole our self-respect. You have been led to believe the only way you can get some back is to get the things white folks make and bring it into your life so you can vicariously improve your self-worth. That's why our children don't even want to go to school if they ain't got no children's home. Because their wealth is equal to the things white folks produce. So parents, if I'm the first to tell you, Stop giving your child Ritalin, Adderall, concerted metadata is nothing but synthesized cocaine. If you wouldn't go buy some crack from the drug at the drug uh, deal and give it to your son, why are you giving them drugs from the psychiatrist? 
Ritalin is synthesized crack. If you don't believe me, go look at the Drug Enforcement Agency website. According to the DEA of the United States government, Ritalin metastasizes in the brain the same way as cocaine and opium. It is classified as a Schedule II drug. And when do we get Ritalin? 1980. When do we get ABD? 1980. What does ABD stand for? Attention Deficit Disorder. When did it become ADHD? 1987. Is it a coincidence that we got ADD the same year the CIA dropped off crack? 1980. No coincidence. They started drugging up the men and drugging up the boys the same year, 1980. It was a holocaust. The problem is there's no drug that can make your child pay attention. Since there's no drug that can make your child pay attention, they put an H in it. So ADD became ADHD. Hyper. Even if he's not hyper. He might just not pay attention. He's not hyper, but the new diagnosis, everybody can get some drugs. To Negroes, but some of us think that once we turned ourselves back from Negroes into African Americans, we were free. Uh uh, the African Americans have Negro. All right, I hear you. We need that full African consciousness back. That's what we're doing at the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy. I just had a conversation with a queen mother in DC. She sews clothing, she got 12 brand new sewing machines. She said, Doc. I'm gifting these to FDMG, and I'm going to come and teach the boys how to make their own clothes. I met another brother out in the Midwest. He knows how to make shoes. And for those of y'all who don't know, the black man who invented the machine from Pennsylvania, Jam Mexlinger, he invented the machine that ties the soles to the shoe. That's why you got shoes now, because of a black man. Well, guess what? He's going to come to the school and teach us how to make their own shoe wear, too. Dr. John Henry Clark once said, one of the grandfathers of Pan Africans, he said, a people who can't make their own clothing aren't worthy of running a nation. Mm -hmm. So guess what? The first thing your son's got to learn how to do: make their own damn drawers. They might be holy. What would be that? They might have a bubble, so they can say, "Mommy, I, I made, made my own sneakers." Talked to a sister not too long ago. She knows how to make cologne and fragrance, not just the oil, but the actual cologne. And she's going to do a workshop and teach them how to make their own fragrance so every boy will have his own fragrance. I'm an author, so we want to put together an anthology where every boy produces a chapter in the anthology, and then he will have his own book, and then he will be a published author in elementary school, and he can use that book to sell it to help raise money for his trip to Africa. I can't give you the whole school program right now because Dr. Umar's smart enough to know that everybody here ain't here because you support me. Some of you can't stand my guts! Uh, sorry for them. Because I'm too unapologetically African for you. You ain't used to Negroes with doctorate degrees talking to you real. You used to us scratching. I see it in and buck dancing on C-Smash. Get up here with Conan O'Brien, we should get me black. I'm not that type of a black man. That's why you never see me on C-Smash and see it in. I'm being tough. True! So with that being said, as I round this out, in addition to the school, we have something called the National Independent Black Parent Association. Because every child won't be able to go to my school. At least not in the beginning because we don't have enough seats for every black boy in Wilmington. Even though Wilmington is small, this is a big city. So we have to help parents whose kids 
not who do not yet have a seat in the school. So I need some of y'all to come to my next training of the National Independent Black Parent Association. We want to organize every black community in the state of Delaware with a NIBPA chapter, and each chapter has seven committees. The first committee is special ed. Each city will have multiple chapters because no chapter can have more than 10 to 12 schools because it's too much work. So he may be on the west side of Wilmington, he may be on the east side of Wilmington, she might be on the south side of Wilmington. And each of their chapters will have its own seven committees. The first committee is special ed. How many black boys in special ed in Wilmington? How many are in for reading? How many are in for emotional disturbance? How many are in for mild intellectual disability? How many are in for OHI for ADHD? And how much money is the school getting? And which schools in Wilmington are most likely to put a black boy in special ed unnecessarily? Which principals are most likely to sentence our boys to special ed Which high schools are most guilty? Which middle schools are most guilty? Which school is most likely not to give a child who does need special ed the help that they need? Because guess what? Even if you say, Dr. Umar, my son needs it, that doesn't mean he's getting the quality of special ed that he needs. <laughs> Let me give you a little secret. If your child has an IEP and you believe they need special ed, if they are in special ed full time, that means all day long, then you're going to have to explain to me why your child needs to be separated from the regular class all day. Because according to special ed law, a child with a disability should only be in special ed to the extent necessary in order to learn. Let me give you an example. If your daughter got a reading disability, she should only be in special ed for one class. And if your son got a math disability, he should only be in special ed for one class. So then why is he in special ed all day? Why is she in special ed all day? That is illegal. You cannot over-specialate an educated child. They can only be in there to the extent that you can prove it is absolutely necessary. But I'll tell you why Tay-Tay is special ed all day in Wilmington. You know why? Because the only reason why the teacher got to evaluated in the first place is because she wanted him out of the class. See, special ed is a trash can where you throw black boys. Nobody wants to be bothered with. Let me say it again. Special ed is a trash can where you throw black boys nobody wants to be bothered with. And you know what's so trifling? Sometimes I evaluate the special ed kids and guess what I find? They're smarter than the kids in the regular class. <laughs>
Okay. With regard to the first question, being an educator, most of my friends are principals and superintendents and school psychologists and the like. So yes, we do have a working board at present. Many of those members on that working board will end up becoming permanent. Uh, those individuals are not being made public at just yet for a lot of different reasons. Uh, some of them because of their careers and the radical reputation I have, we wouldn't want to jeopardize folks that close to their retirement. But yes, as I continue to learn about brothers and sisters in Delaware, I'm sure that there will be Delaware representation on that board. As far as security, I share your concern there. But I'm also optimistic I've been meeting some of the brothers and sisters in the immediate neighborhood of the school. You know, they didn't introduce themselves in the way they come in and out. Most of them know people stop, pull over, honk the horn. It's been good love. But you're right. We do need the security. I'm actually in contact with two security companies right now. Uh, one of them have already, you know, did their walkthrough. There is a security system on the school at present, but I'm going to get one that's a little bit more elaborate. And so with that being said, um, if any of you have a black-owned security and surveillance company, you should send me a text message so that you can be considered to be one of the vendors along, along with some of the other folks who've been reaching out. Um, so if there's any hometown Delaware security groups, and we'll be talking electronic surveillance and whatnot, uh, definitely send me a text. If they thought we do that, hit the website, check it out. Um, because I do want to, as much as possible, once the school start operating, I want to do business with black people, obviously, as much as possible, exclusively us, but we don't produce everything, so we will have to do business with other folks. But I also want to make sure some of that money goes right back into Delaware and right back into Wilmington as well. So, what do you do specifically as a mental health umbrella? Social work counselor? I'm a social worker, educational and Number one, we can use you with the National Independent Black Parent Association right off the gate. Because with NIBPA, we got the Special Ed Committee, School Discipline Committee, School Finance Committee, School Policy Committee, Social Support, Parent Advocacy, and a Homeschooling Committee as well. So NIBPA for short, but then I think we also need to have a Black Revolutionary Mental Scientist Conference because one of, I used to be a member of the National Association of School Psychologists, I resigned gave up my membership because they wasn't doing nothing about the school to prison fight. We don't have a black revolutionary mental health movement. We have the Association of Black Psychologists. We got the Association of Black Counselors. We got the Association of Black Social Workers. But I really don't see, and this is no knock to them, I really don't see some of the types of grassroots campaigns going on. Like, where's the campaign against special ed, against Ritalin? Where's the campaign to stop having all our kids snatched by child protective services and putting these foster homes where all they do is get raped and abused anyway? Right. You know what I mean? I'm seeing more kids get abused in placement than pre-placement. Yeah. So you took them from the mom house so they can go and get sexually abused at somebody else's house. Right. So there needed to be movements, and I don't see a lot of the black mental health professional groups doing that. So connect with me, Queen. That's something we can work on. Okay, that's something we can work on. And a lot of these things that I'm talking about, they're not going to wait for the school. Okay, that's why I want y'all to text me. Because these things ain't going to wait for the school. In our BPA conference, we might do it right here in this room a month from now. Which is a training with me, and I'm going to train you on how to review a psychological evaluation report. What to do when you go to a school meeting. And for my parents in here, what are the three major rules for parents when you're dealing with the schools? Number one, don't go to no meeting by yourself. Always take somebody with you. Number two, don't sign nothing unless you take it home and read it three times. 
Black mothers, y'all got to stop signing paperwork on the spot. Don't do that. Tell them you're taking it home and you're going to look it over. Number three, stop telling your personal business to the school. They're not your friend. Uh, I heard that you say you used to work for a charter school. Mm -hmm. What is your stance on the Leave No Child Behind ESSA and what is the contingency to keep the school from receiving sanctions or a sanction label by the federal government? What do you mean a sanction for what? When, okay, so you also stated that you wanted to be Pan-African. Mm -hmm. That's great. But we all know that there's something called uh, the affirmative action law. But it also applies to everyone that's non-African as well. So it's a minority uh, population. Uh -huh. So if you don't cater to that, you can get sanctioned or your, your school can get sanctioned. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's like you have your white Christian academy. <laughs> you know, there's federal laws. You must uphold you understand federal right. law. So, for example, I can't say that no gay black kids can come to my school. That will get me in trouble. Right. You understand? Right. Because the state of Delaware doesn't allow you to do that. There are some states where you can refuse kids if it's a private school on the basis of gender. But I wouldn't do that anyway, even if Delaware did allow for it, because it is, I'm of the position that there are no gay black kids. There's only confused black kids. But once they are taught the knowledge of themselves, they will naturally want to be what they are. So let's just give you an example. Right. You understand? I would not do that because that would be a violation of federal law. Even though we are an independent school, we cannot violate people's constitutional rights. Right. So as opposed to a public and a charter school who has to do whatever comes from the State Department of Education, they got to have special ed. They got to follow ESSA and all that. We don't have to do that because we're totally independent. No government money, no grants, self-determination. So the second issue ain't gonna be too much of an issue because we plan to follow the law. I have people's children that are my responsibility. We're going to follow the law. We're not going to violate it in any way, shape, or form. One of the first things I did, even before I even knew we would buy the school, is I contacted the state secretary of education and we had a conversation on the phone. You understand? Right. To let them know, listen, you will hear all types of boogeyman stories about me. Some true, some not. But I'm just coming to teach black children. I'm not coming to cause no issues for you per se. It's just a school for our children. Right. Because believe it or not, you got a lot of black devils. The minute they found out I had their school, mm. they contacted every white person they could find. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Trying to get them to stop me from getting to school. Right. Your people. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing that you said with No Child Left Behind. No Child Left Behind was the reauthorization. Right. of Lyndon Baines Johnson Elementary and Secondary Schools Act. So those are just one and the same. Now, what a lot of black parents don't know about No Child Left Behind, No Child Left Behind, in my opinion, was really a pro-military law because there was No Child Left Behind that told every school in America that if you want this free money, you got to let the Army, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, to go into the schools and recruit kids. And they also have a right to look at the student records. I don't know if y'all know this. The four main branches of the military, can go into your child's public and charter school record and actually look at who they are as a student so they can decide who they want to prey upon for recruitment. And I ain't got to tell y'all who they look for, right? They look for the children of single moms whose fathers were incarcerated with a history of male incarceration and early life failure, and they seek them out and they convince them to go into the military, not directly saying this, but basically what they say is if you look at the men in your family, none of them become nothing, so you might as well come and be all you So y'all need to be bad, y'all need to tell y'all kids that the recruiters come looking for you, tell them you ain't interested. I went to a military high school. I did not go to the military. My father was in the Marine Corps. 
of that. And I, I just don't believe the military is something our children should be doing. Especially now because peacetime is over. Remember, if you was in the military from the late 70s to right. the mid-90s, you was cool. You were 20 years and right. now they're back in Afghanistan looking for opium and heroin and oil pipelines and they keep trying to make the world safe for democracy. You need to make America safe for democracy yet. You know what I mean? So I'm not big on the military at all, other than to make sure our children are military safe. This is the D1 Legacy Podcast, and we're going up to meet Dr. Umar Johnson. Him and my son are going to shake hands, introduce ourselves. We're going to continue this movement. Take care and be safe. Peace. Here we are, Sunday morning, March 3rd, 2019, and the meeting that was held this past Thursday for Dr. Umar Johnson, meeting the people here in Wilmington, Delaware, in regards to his school that he's opening up here the FDMG Academy for Boys. During the question and answer session, a gentleman named Ma, he kind of beat me to the punch of asking about, you know, will will people be going out or would he mind people going out and start to, uh, you know, clean up the area around the school? Because there's a lot of, you know, trash and stuff of that nature around the school. So I noticed from riding by there, I kind of go by there like, you know, once or twice a week just to check around the grounds in the area. And also during the video that Dr. Umar uh, shot, you know, talking about his progress and opening up this school. You know, there's a lot of trash and stuff around the school, so... My main concern was, you know, doing the the cleanup. That was kind of funny to me, and I'm not going to front. It kind of pissed me off, too, because I'm not going to mention his name, but we had a gentleman come down here from Philly, and pretty much all you, you could tell all he really wanted was some clickbait for his YouTube channel. But he took the energy to drive all the way down from Philly so that he could make a little video about the school. And he wanted to crack his little jokes and I think he had one of his friends there, you know, trying to uh imitate uh <laughs> Dr. Umar Johnson. And one of the things he said during his video was uh, you know, if people wasn't supportive of Dr. Umar Johnson and the people in the local area were so uh you know, supportive of Dr. Umar Johnson, why don't we come out here and clean up the school? Because he also brought up the trash and stuff that was pretty much on the grounds of the, of the school. But my question was, 
if you're going to put all the energy to drive all the way from Philadelphia for half an hour, and of course you can tell you were doing it for your your own progress, your own opportunity to get clicks on YouTube. Why didn't you pull out a trash can? Why didn't you pull out some bags and start to clean up? I mean, you rode all the way from Philly, right? So why didn't you put in the energy (laughs) to do some cleaning up? But yet you're calling out the people here in Wilmington saying, oh, if we have so much support for Dr. Umar Johnson, (laughs) why aren't we out there doing some cleanup? (laughs) The contradiction in watching the video. But it is what it is. We're about to load the truck up. You know, we got a couple rakes, got a couple containers, and we got our trash bag, so we're on our way down right now in the early morning. Supposed to meet Brother Ma down there at around 7 a.m., so we're going to go down there and see what it do and make it happen. Okay, we're pulling up to the FDMG Academy for the Sunday morning cleanup here on March 3rd, 2019. Got my son DeAndre with me. Say what's good, say morning. morning. I see my man brother Ma, he's already out here, so we're gonna get things started here. Let's do what it do. All right, stuff on the back behind her. Brother Ma out here getting his work in. He already out here. Brother Ma was good, man. What's happening? Sorry I'm late, my man. Hey! Hey, what's going on? Good morning, good morning. My son DeAndre. Good morning, good morning. What's going on? How you doing? Dion, Dion, Matthew. How you doing, my brother? Is this your son? Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for coming out and spending your energy here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I just start from here. 
you know, I started hitting that. This had a lot of, because they got the liquor store on the corner. Yeah, yeah. So you got all these little bottles and everything. So. Okay, where you want us to start at? Oh, uh, just, we can, uh, did you bring the rake? Yeah, if we could rake this section out. We'll okay. do this section first. Okay. And just rake it out, and then I'll come along, and we'll just. Cool, cool. All right, that's what's up. Rock it out. Welcome out, welcome, welcome. No hey, problem, man. I'm going to take a little picture and send it to Boomer. Oh, okay. <laughs> you build it, they will come. Man. You know what I mean? Okay, this is D1 Legacy once again. We're at the end of the cleanup. Here at the FDMG Academy for Boys. Got a lot more to do. Me, my son, brother Mar out here. He's been getting it in. It's our first day out here. The things are looking good. We're going to keep it going, going into next week. Let's see what it do, man. Uh, you all right? Your hands okay? All right. All right, dude, we done. Okay, cool. We done, brother. Come on. Ten more minutes. You got this. Blessings today. Good blessings. Good blessings. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <sighs> Dion. I love you, man. Love you too, See man. You next Sunday, 7 a.m. That's what's up. Hopefully, we get some more people. Yeah. Tell your boys they want to come out. Whatever. I got to give you a card so you can come by the dojo. Okay. We, 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 we put some exposure out there this week. We should get some more heads out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. try to do my best to communicate. And then yeah. definitely at the next meeting, yeah. you know, it might come up. Maybe he'll let us talk or something. Right, he'll right. say something, I say something. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. That's it. My main thing is we don't need to be afraid. Dr. Umar, since he's such a famous person, mm -hmm. he got everybody trying to come and grab his coattail. Right, right. And try to be famous with him. Right, right. So the main message that we're going to have for him is you do what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, right. We don't want, we don't need to be affiliated with exactly. you. We need to just do what we do. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because I know he's, he, a guy like that, he, he's hard to You know, you, yeah, he, he, got, he got his guard up. He, I don't, he, yeah. I don't blame him because no, what, he, what he's been through, you know what I'm saying? No, no, he got to be like that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Because of the path that he chose. Right. So, you know, it is what it is, bro. Definitely see you guys next Sunday. Okay. Give me a call if you need anything, brother. Yeah, no know, problem, man. We can come out and talk a little bit. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. Mean? Just call me uh, anytime, uh, man. Just take a picture of your card and text it to me. On my card, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't just have, do that. My wallet in the house. No I live problem. Two no miles problem. away, so. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Where, um, I ran out the house this morning. And I just forgot to. Grab I'm on the west things. side. You know what I mean? All right.
you want to contact me or send in a request for a particular topic you want to hear on our episodes, you can reach me at dsoulspro at gmail.com. That's dsoulspro at gmail.com. You are listening to the D-Win Legacy Podcast, available on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play Music, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. It never fails when a black person gets to a certain point where they can do something great, not only for themselves, but for the people in their environment. There are always some black crabs there trying to pull them down. Black crabs live and crawl around on the bottom surface of rivers and oceans. And all they do all day is just scavenge around for food to survive. And then one day they come across a situation where they see some food and even though they sense the presence of danger they still go after the food it's too intriguing to them and as they finish off the food even though they sense the presence of danger they're pulled to the surface and they see Beautiful blue skies. And for the moment, they feel okay. But then, their environment changes. And they are in a place where there are other black crabs. And they know they must escape so what they do they use and crawl all over each other to get to the top and some of them they actually make it to the top but it's always another black crab that pulls them down and then their environment changes again and this time they are put in some more water and for a split second they think everything's okay 
But then they start to notice that the water is starting to boil and the temperature is beginning to rise. And as their eternal darkness starts to come upon them and they fade away, they first experience their physical darkness. This is the D Win Legacy Podcast. Take care and be aware of all of the black crabs.